coming up on Where We Meet. So it's kind of like rushing to kind of mark off the numbers and then realizing you lost because <laughs> you lost more of your money during Lunar New Year. Um, <laughs> I'm and hearing then, some real pain in this, some real <laughs> memories from this one. <laughs> I may or may not have lost a lot of money, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Every day, every night, This is Where We Meet. Today we'll be talking about Lunar New Year, the nuances, as well as the misconceptions surrounding this holiday. Yeah, and I'm really excited to get into it. Where We Meet is a podcast about the intersections in our lives. Where We Meet culture, culture meets food, food meets politics, politics meets hot takes, and so on. What exactly does that look like? Well, you'll have to listen to the episode to find that out today. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited entirely by Changes Youth and AmeriCorps members. Hey, Chowan, Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year, too, even though it's February. Oh, well, you know, I meant uh, Chinese New Year. Chinese New Year? Yeah, yeah, it's right around that time. You want some mooncakes? I got them some to celebrate. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, I can't do this today. Uh, let's kind of sit down and talk. Uh, is something wrong? Uh, well, first off... The term Chinese New Year this is understandable, but uh, there, there, there's a lot of controversy around the name just because it's not as inclusive uh, as a, of a term compared to other terms you can use, like Lunar New Year. Um, a lot of other cultures celebrate a Lunar New Year as well, um, not just China. Um, these countries include Vietnam, Thailand, Korea, so forth. Um, so it's a diverse range of cultures celebrating Lunar New Year. So saying Chinese New Year is kind of exclusionary to a lot of these other cultures. Huh. I had no idea. That's not really how we talk about it usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, mooncakes aren't eaten during Lunar New Year. Uh, they're eaten during the Mid-Autumn Festival, which doesn't happen until around the September-October timeline. Really? It's so it's always, I mean, at least maybe to, to non-people people who do not celebrate China, Lunar New Year, that seems to be associated sometimes. So that's weird. Well, since, you know, clearly I misunderstand a lot of things, why don't we take a few minutes and just uh, and chat about what, what Lunar New Year is actually like and, and talk about what, yeah, first of all, you know, I think we, we chatted about this, this name that is much more inclusive, Lunar New Year. So wh- why would we want to use the term Lunar New Year? What does that refer to exactly? Um, well, it refers to the lunar calendar, which is what the entire holiday is based on in the first place. Um, there's still some controversy around this the, this name in general, too, because some cultures actually use a combination of the lunar calendar and the solar calendar. So there is a diversity in how we even base that holiday on. But for the most part, Lunar New Year is uh, generally accepted as the, uh, as the inclusive term for the holiday. Got it. Interesting. So I probably, it sounds like, don't have a very good understanding of what Lunar New Year is all about. So why don't we have a conversation about what this might look like for someone? And obviously, this is going to vary across cultures, um, across countries, and even down to the individual family. This might be a really unique event. But let's talk about what a Lunar New Year might look like for someone. 
Hmm. Well, that's a very complicated question in and of itself. And I can only personally speak from my experience as a Vietnamese person that celebrates Lunar New Year. I have to say, uh, Lunar New Year could look different from uh, for another Vietnamese person as well, just because every, every family has their own individual traditions. Um, but I guess we can kind of break it down uh, in a general sense. Uh, for those who don't celebrate the Lunar New Year, uh, we can break it down into certain days leading up to the New Year, at Lunar New Year, and the days after. Leading up to New Lunar New Year, it's always a lot of decorations. One of the biggest decorations that we use is flowers, various flowers. Uh, this year, my family used the hot owl flower, which is um, kind of like a cherry flower in general. Uh, it's pink, it's pretty, and it brings happiness, peace, wealth, and uh, health. Whenever we uh, bring up certain decorations, uh, my family would always talk about how it was like in Vietnam as well. Uh, my dad would describe it as like one of the most beautiful days leading up to Lunar New Year because everyone would always have flowers like attached to their motorcycles or they were bringing it around everywhere to kind of prepare for the, um, for the holiday too. So it's a very, very festive day in Vietnam. Uh, and it's kind of like a similar setting here in the U.S. as well. Another huge tradition that we do is uh, hanging up certain uh, gods. So, for example, Om Thung Dai. Om Thung Dai is someone that if you put up, he brings wealth and land to your family. And he also helps kind of protect your family from bad spirits. Um, I know people have probably heard of like dragon dances, for example, as a way to ward off evil spirits. But there's also certain decorations that families put up as well uh, to kind of help uh, create that, that protection barrier. Traditions, we also have traditions that take place like at midnight before Lunar New Year starts technically. Um, like, for example, rushing to kind of set a table outside of your house um, filled with different foods like jie, uh, seoi, or um, ban u, all that kind of stuff. Um, and this, laying out this kind of food, it's kind of a way to give to our ancestors in a sense. It's kind of like welcoming our ancestors with a feast, basically. Um, so those are just a few of the traditions that take place even before Lunar New Year. Interesting. And if I can ask, when we're going back to decorations for a second, when you're putting up we're putting up flowers and images of gods, is there a specific place you might put them out, or are they a more general decoration, like you want them to be displayed generally? Hmm. Well, the flowers usually are. Best way I can describe it is like they are basically our lunar trees. Mm. Uh, they kind of serve as the foundation for that. Um, as for gods, they'll be like these little trinkets kind of where you kind of hang them onto the hot owl flowers. The best way I can describe it as an example for those who don't celebrate Lunar New Year, it's like imagine decorating a Christmas tree with ornaments. That's kind of like uh, decorating trees. Um, with the god trinkets. Um, there's also sort of statuettes too, many statuettes uh, that you also place around the house. Um, but that's usually based on the family's preference and also what the store nears themselves. Mm, got it. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so that's what's happening in the run-up to, to May, oh, Lunar New Year that one might experience. So w what about the night of? Uh, the night of Lunar New Year is really... Um, 
very spiritual. Uh, one of the first things that we would kind of do is after laying the table out, right? Because you have to rush all the way to midnight to kind of uh, make sure that everything is set up for the ancestors to come. After that, it's like incest, bowing down to um, the table outside too, because our ancestors are surrounding it, and also bowing at the ancestral uh, uh, the ancestral shrine just to kind of uh, tell them and wish them um, a lot of just happiness with their afterlife um, and also just telling them what you kind of desire for the new year so that they it, it, I'll say this it's not like a wish for uh, your birthday cake um, but telling your ancestors what you desire for the new year it'll help them give them an idea so maybe they can kind of push you in the right direction you won't be guaranteed to get what you want but um, they'll help guide you whenever you have certain struggles with it interesting that's really fascinating. And so that's the main event for On the Night Of. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So that's the main event. Uh, but of course, after that's done, there's still a lot of things to, that happen in, in, in a Lunar New Year, one that one might experience. So let's talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's kind of hard to sort through uh, because Lunar New Year looks very different, varying from location to location. Like it lo- it, celebrating Lunar New Year in the U.S. is very different than celebrating Lunar New Year in mainland Vietnam, especially when you don't have the same resources as mainland Vietnam does. Um, but a lot of people would attend festivals on the day of Lunar New Year, um, which is thrown in honor of the holiday. Best way to describe it is that a lot of different things happen. Um, surrounding yourself with your family members, buying food uh, that tradi- that you traditionally eat during that day, or playing certain games. Uh, there's like a Vietnamese bingo that kind of happens during Lunar New Year. And okay. it's very, very unique because the way that this bingo works is basically you don't read out bingo, right? Okay. You sing the bingo. The people, there will be like these two men and they'll be like super dressed up in like sharp suits and everything, kind of like what you see the host of yeah. like, a, a, like a music show would wear, right? Right. Like very, very sharp, but also stylish. And they'll be... And as they are play, playing the bingo um, and hosting the bingo, they'll kind of make up a song leading up to the number that they're going to read out. And so it's kind of like a a panic where you're also listening along to the song. And it's improv, too. Um, So they're making up lyrics on the spot. Yeah. They're they're huge experts at it. So it's kind of like rushing to kind of mark off the numbers and then realizing you lost because... (laughs) You lost more of your money during Lunar New Year. Um, <laughs> I'm hearing then, some real pain in this, some real <laughs> memories from this one. <laughs> I may or may not have lost a lot of money, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I totally am not bitter over that $100 I could have won. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, and then there's also, like, certain games, mm-hmm. like, um, the, there's this game we play where you kind of just bet on certain animals too and then they'll have a dice that kind of rolls um like the animals placed on the dice mm-hmm. um and whatever animal is on that that was rolled out and lands on the people who bet on that animal win the money and i totally did not lose that either <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the be- the best way to describe um the that festival is you hmm 
Hmm. You can lose all of your lease C money or gain a lot of your lease C money. Okay. Lease C, by the way, is a Vietnamese term for red envelope money. Hmm. Um, and speaking of red envelopes, that's another thing that happens on the day of Lunar New Year. Older adults giving money to uh, to younger um, to younger children in the family um, on the day of Lunar New Year as a way to give them wealth, yeah. basically. It's kind of that symbolism. Um, because I make money this year, I also had to give them to my little brother. But as long as you remain unmarried, keyword to some of my <laughs> people out there, if you remain unmarried, you'll get money. Okay. So, okay. so <laughs> <laughs> encouragement for certain. <laughs> but. <laughs> You've got to get the red envelope for the for the games in the night of. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Another thing that happens too is just like very dramatic operas that happen okay. on the uh, during that festival. Yeah. Um, also on the day of Lunar New Year, uh, like visiting um, the Buddhist temple. Like you don't even have to be Buddhist technically to visit the Buddhist temple, but it's just another way to again honor your ancestors and kind of pay respects to the people in your community. Um, so that's just some of the things that happen on the day of Lunar New Year. There's so much, but this is just at the top mm. of my, my most recent memories uh, of winning and losing. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. So that some of these events you're talking about that take place after Lunar New Year, that's that's going through the night, right? Like you could play into the you know early hours of the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. How how light? How what's the lightest you ever been up for for a Tet Festival? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh my god! You don't have to answer if you. We <laughs> stay up pretty late. I I, I don't stay up as late. Mm. So my family still prioritizes sleep. Mm-hmm. But I know in some cultures, some people stay up like all night mm. just because. Um, in, in those cultures, I don't remember specifically which, but uh, they believe that like the longer you stay up, you're lengthening the lie the days that your elders, the elders in your family will mm. live. Um, so some people stay up all night. Wow. Yeah. My family's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we nap after like what? 2.30? Yeah. 1 a.m.? Um, but some others are more extreme. Right. Wow. That, that's impressive. I mean, it, it sounds like there's a lot of good events to, to stay up for. So for the, some of the operas you mentioned, are those also happening through the night or are those most on the day, on the day of? day of or uh-huh. sometimes before yeah. because sometimes the that festival takes place before um in the u.s specifically in vietnam it's not like that uh just because you don't get day offs for lunar new year mm-hmm. um so sometimes they put it day before got it just so that people be, will be able to take a day off of work and still go to work later in a way that works for everyone okay. um but operas in my experience they usually take place during the day and they don't even relate sometimes to the like the, the the legends that <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just like dramatic shows that are put in place and like if you're a young kid you're like half confused on why like this prostitute sister is yeah. like just ran into her sister's her her other sister's fiance who she happens to date in the past and stuff like it's just a wild <laughs> shows happening <laughs> oh but, but yeah, the operas, they're, they're random, but they're very interesting. Yeah, it sounds like it.
<laughs> so, so that's a broad overview of the events, but let's talk about some of the specifics. And, you know, I think our group in terms of planning podcasts is kind of infamous for this because whenever we have meetings, we end up talking about food. <laughs> and so I'm going to bring it up here. We got to start. We got to talk about let's talk about the foods of Lunar New Year. Well, it varies, too, because like there's it's so hard to kind of to narrow it down. But I think one of the things that uh, that that is really important during Lunar New Year, the most important dish, according to my mom, this lunar <laughs> holiday, um, is the food ar- uh, the fruit arrangements. Um, each fruit that you place it's basically um, an arrangement of five different fruits, right? And each fruit you place uh, represents uh, a different thing. So mango, which is basically a custard fruit, uh, represents wish, so your wish for Lunar New Year. Dua, which is either watermelon or coconut. It's really up to whether the family will be able to get either. Um, that represents kind of balance in your life in this year. Uh, dudu, which is just papaya. And that represents just like enough or I guess enough of, uh, of what you need, basically, to kind of uh, let you stay float and survive. Um, soy is uh, the mango. And that represents uh, to spend. So you can have a lot of money to spend for the Lunar New Year. And the last fruit, it's considered the most important fruit of all of the entire food arrangement, um, in my experience at the very least, because it's considered the luckiest fruit. So some families are very picky when they kind of place this fruit. Um, People generally choose the grapefruit as the fifth fruit um, because it's considered to be especially lucky. I don't know the exact story behind it, but I always heard that that's what it said. Mm. Um, but other fruits such as the dragon fruit, which is what my family chose this year, um, are also very common as well. Uh, but yeah, fruits during Lunar New Year are really, really, <laughs> uh, I guess the best way to say it is just a huge thing. Um, there's even traditions that are around certain fruits too. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about like on Lunar New Year and mm. after Lunar New Year, right? Um, another huge thing that kind of takes place on Lunar New Year and or after Lunar New Year, up to the family, obviously, is that ever the after uh, we kind of like do all that ancestral worship and all the incest and everything, um, a lot of families love to cut up watermelon uh, to kind of see inside and to determine their luck for the new year. Um, so like the pinker the inside of the watermelon is, uh, the more luck they'll get. Oh, really? Interesting. For these, these arrangements you're, you mentioned, uh, are they arranged on the, on, on the table that's laid, laid for the ancestors in the night of, or is that a more general kind of arrangement that you would have? Hmm. Well, they're arranged on just separate plates. Okay, got it. Yeah, they're arranged on separate plates. Generally... I don't, this is something that I personally noticed too, Hmm. because the fruit arrangements aren't just arranged on the tables, which is like at the head part. They're Mm -hmm. always on the corner or on the front, Um, but they're also arranged around the house as well. So you put one on the ancestral shrine, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But you also put some on like maybe the kitchen counter where people can see or during the table where your family walks in or maybe even uh, like next to... um, I don't know, some of the flowers that are placed. Um, but yeah, they kind of place them around the house too, just so it's visible everywhere. Huh, interesting. That's really cool. 
Okay, well, we've covered a good amount today. So are there any last things you think you'd want to cover? Like I said, obviously, this is, as you've discussed, this is non-comprehensive. We're just talking about how one might might celebrate it. This is celebrated across a variety of cultures and, you know, even families do it individually. So it could it could be many ways. But this is this is how this is your experience. Um, well, I think the best way to end everything mm-hmm. is that I just want to say that Lunar New Year is a holiday that's really, really sacred to a lot of Asian cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not only a way to honor our ancestors and kind of thank them uh, for allowing us to kind of have the resources and overall just the luck that we have today. Um, but it's also a way for us to stay connected to our culture, especially in um, Western uh, in the Western world where there's kind of like a lot of stereotypes and also just a lot of side comments kind of associated uh, 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 directed towards the Asian community when uh, we express our culture. Um, So it's one of the best ways that we can kind of keep uh, our our entire heritage alive. Um, So kind of rushing off Lunar New Year as like, oh, it's just something that Asians do, right? It's not, it's kind of undermining the importance of it and the significance of it to um, a lot of uh, Asian communities. Um, I think there's been a lot of discussion about how Lunar New Year is now going to be considered a national holiday, too. So I'm kind of glad that the discussions around that are being taken more seriously. Um, But Lunar New Year, just best way to put it is that um, Lunar New Year as a national holiday would help out a lot of Asian communities and uh, to celebrate their culture without having to worry about like, oh, if I take a time off of work, uh, will it kind of affect my performance or affect how um, I'll earn, how much money I'll earn this month? Mm, yeah, definitely. And in, in regards to that, we'll also throw in some links to articles in the show notes of the show, which of course we'll be uh, linking our research as well so you can read more about what, what we've been talking about today. Thank you all for sticking around today, if indeed you're still here. Where We Meet is released through Changist, an organization which works with youth to equip them with the tools and knowledge to engage with local and global social issues. You can learn more about us on our website, changist.org. That's change, I-S-T dot org. Questions, comments, feedback? You can always email them to us at changes at protonemail.com. You can follow Where We Meet on Instagram at where we meet underscore pod and on Twitter also where we meet underscore pod. Thank you for listening to this entire episode and we'll see you all again next time for episode two. You realize there's no such thing as a flying saucer. <laughs>